son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. episode are we? Five. Whatever, you're not allowed to talk. And we're here with Guy Branham. I love Guy Branham. Me too. Did I ask... I'm sorry, boss. If you liked Guy Branham. I'm sorry about that. And please ask before you speak. Yes, anyway, Guy Branham, um, welcome. I love Judy Gold. Thank no, you for I having me. I love you. I love you. I love you. And this is Kill Me Now. And I'm we- a big Lauren fan as well now. Oh, no. thanks, Guy. Oh, did, did you hear that? Oh, Sorry. Anyway, Guy, uh, this is my podcast, Kill Me Now, which everyone has always told me to do a podcast, and I I didn't do it, uh, and I really like the format, and I am always pissed off, so yes. uh, it's, it's the perfect genre for me. But uh, Guy, we just did Larry and Wilmore together, yeah. which was really fun. You were way prepared. Um and, you know, you've done a lot of writing and uh, you, that that article you wrote in the New York Times about Trevor Noah was fantastic. Thank I have you. to say, I really liked it. And I w- do want to talk about Twitter and social media and how it's affected comedy. Uh, where can people before we begin, where can people find you? On- um, people need to buy my album Effable on iTunes uh, and also they can find me. At Guy Branham on Twitter or at GuyBranham.com. I love the cover of your new album. I oh. heard a voice coming from <laughs> another studio that... I'll check on that. Okay. Uh, congrats on the album. How's it selling? Thank you very much. It's selling reasonably well for okay. somebody who's not super famous. It was right. number one on iTunes for... Um, a while. That's good. Um, I, I brought you a copy, even though you are a you've listened to enough stand up comedy in your day. You know, I, the, but I I do. I mean, I love stand up. I love it. Uh, I can only listen to people. I really. I know. But if I were Judy Gold, my response to the situation would be, hey, kid, that's cute. You want to know what? I've been through this. Like, I don't necessarily no, I'm not like that at all. <laughs> I am so not. Am I like that? No, not at all. What the fuck was that? Oh, I, you asked. Yeah, but you sa- did not sound sincere. Uh, no. Not all right, I'm done. All. I'm done with you. So anyway, Guy, the reason we're having I a I think you're st- like that when, uh, when um, a young comic like won't admit that they're green or won't admit that they have somewhere to go. or And, and you're not a young comic. You've been around. You, you've, you, I mean, I've seen Oh, I'm liking and- Lauren less now as well. I'm not a young comic. No, you're definitely not. No, 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 no. Uh, no I'll just I, shoot I, myself no, in the head. I, th- what I, yeah, the thing is the, the, um, that confidence based on nothingness yes. and the n- not ever working hard or that to me is like you got a lot to learn but i um 
e- ego with nothing behind it. Right. I don't like pe- I don't there's no ego. No one's better than anyone else. Just because, you know, it's this business is a lot of luck and it's you have to be prepared. I mean, if you're not prepared when your time comes or when an opportunity comes, then you're going to screw it up. So, I mean, it is sort of like it's it's not the biggest thing, but I do sort of take some comfort in the fact that when this industry is really ready to come up and sling stuff at a 24-year-old guy or a super hot girl who's barely done stand-up comedy, like the likelihood of them fumbling that and then not getting a second chance is there and that's always fun to watch. Right. And that <laughs> it does happen and it's sad and I hope they learn their lesson. I mean, this is you're in this for the marathon, not for the sprint. And people just people cannot understand that. In LA, comedy is so full stand up particularly is so full of people who think that this is a a short road to getting seen. Oh, it's a vehicle. Yeah. They use stand up com a lot of people and you know what in the eighties and early nineties when uh after Roseanne got a sitcom and everyone was getting every comic was getting a sitcom, there were comics who literally, you know, put together Eight ten minutes. This is my show. What it, you know? The, I we were just talking before about how I started on a dare. I was uh, I think eighteen or nineteen, and uh, I st- and I went on the road. I couldn't even rent a car yet because um, I was too young. Uh, I couldn't drink in a lot of the places uh, I you know worked. I. I was here before the social media and here's my really funny Vine video and now I have a billion followers. I mm-hmm. We had no cell phones. We had no internet. When we went on the road, it was like I carried my own coffee maker. <laughs> um, Sometimes when I'm going to a college, I'll be like, how did they do this when it was maps? How on earth did they oh, do this? Oh, yeah. We, uh, maps. There was no GPS. There were no cell phones. It was, it was unbelievable. But you're 19 years old. Does it just feel like this is a fun thing to do or did you really just- Oh, no. I, when, uh, I was a secret Santa dare, right? So my secret Santa had written me a note, um, you have to do 10 minutes of stand-up comedy and use everyone who lives on the floor as material. That's great. And so um, <laughs> I really, it was like God had spoken to me. Seriously. It was like, oh my God, I took it so seriously. And yeah. then I went and when I did it, I mean, I was nervous, but when I went on the floor to do, it was in our lobby and every, we had a great floor. So everyone did like one girl, uh, they sang, they had a play, Let It Rain and everyone poured buckets of water on her for each chorus. You know, it was like a bunch of crap. Uh, I had to one year. I had to walk. A, I had to crawl unless I was uh, outside um, with an apple on my head. So, um, and it was ridiculous. And then I ended up in that health center because I couldn't move my fucking neck. Anyway, that but, seems amazing for your core strength, though. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't thinking about that. Anyway, so the point is, is that it, it really, when I did it, it was like an out-of-body experience. It was like, oh, my God, this is what I'm meant to do. So did you say that Larry Ambrose was there the first time you did stand-up no, or the second time? No, uh, so uh, the second time, I think I actually did it in a restaurant after that, whatever. But uh, they did a show at Rutgers, and um, Larry Amorose, Bill Sheft, and Adrian Tulsh were coming to do a show. And uh, they... I guess the college was like, oh, we have a young comic. Could she do five, ten minutes? And I did, and they loved me. And I've 
I mean, I just saw Bill a couple of several weeks ago and he's like, oh, my God, that face. I remember when you were 18 years (laughs) old, you know. So and it was it was all about getting on stage, driving to the uh, it was unbelievable. It was, you know, this social I I just it I feel like it has sort of ruined in a lot of ways the the process maybe or all right so let's go back you write, I want to understand what you mean though. I feel like these people think they can do a YouTube video and that's it. They can go in a club and stand there for, for an hour yeah. and entertain. You can't. It takes years. It takes 10, 15 years yeah. to know what the fuck you're doing on stage. And these kids, I I feel like this fucking iPhone, like it's driving me crazy. <laughs> like, first of all, this is my kill me now moment of the week. I have the iPhone 5S as in shit and it has no memory and I fucking hate it. Anyway, so whenever I hold it, You know, and I'm talking holding without headphones. My cheek hits the mute button Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I'm like and then and my mother's 92. Hello. Hello. Judith. You know, and it's just I fucking hate it. I was just talking to someone else. uh, uh, My lawyer on the way here. Hello. Hello. I'm like, fuck. I fucking hate that fucking mute button. Did you just lower my mic? I just muted you. (laughs) Shut up. Shut up, guy. So, guy. You wrote an article about Trevor Noah because his tweets. I should change my name to Guy and then no one will ever get my (laughs) pronouns wrong. Oh, you're going to spend a lot of time with people in Starbucks or third grade calling you gay, though. Uh They already do. um, (laughs) It's not about you, Lauren. No, it's never about me. I'm sorry. you know, the uh, Starbucks people actually think my name is Jody or Julie. Do you know Aparnan and Sherla? Who? Aparna and Charlie is a super funny comic. Yeah, Aparna. Uh, and we, we wrote together a Totally Biased. And how much she just reached a place of not so not trying with Starbucks's and she just tells them to say A. And you can tell that Aparna is at a place full of hope in her life when she actually says her name to a Starbucks. Right, right, right. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, my wife Hemda just says uh, she's got her Starbucks name is Cindy. Yeah. Yeah, we should have people write in what their Starbucks names are. We should. We should start doing these shows live. <laughs> I know. How do we do that? Don't you think? Yeah. Then we can get feedback and stuff. All we got to do is tell people. All right. Listen. So, Guy, you wrote this art. So, Trevor Noah's taking over Jon Stewart, yeah. right? And then he got in trouble for his tweets from years and years back. And you wrote this brilliant article, an op-ed in The Times, about the process and how, you know, of becoming a comic. And it's a lot of failure. And it's a lot, not fail. I never think of it as failure because every time you get on stage, you learn something if you allow yourself. Right. And it's all about the stage time and, you know, developing bits. You got to go out there and, Mm -hmm. and say things that are uncomfortable and risky. And then you realize, Oh God, that's racist or, Oh God, that's anti-Semitic or that's homophobic or, I don't because I'm none of those. But well, um, it's it's only racist I if it's am not funny. Talking to I'm God. sorry, boss. Continue. We Go. just we have no place for nuance in this, right? <clears throat> because at the same time that you do have to say stuff and you have to, if you want to make good comedy, if you want to make interesting comedy, you sort mm-hmm. of have to play with these big ideas. But there are a bunch of people who didn't think that much about what Lenny Bruce or Chris Rock or, or you know, other people were doing. And they just think, oh, rape, that's a nice big word that gets a reaction out right. of people. Oh, like 
we all know that you, if you say the N word, then an audience is going to freeze up. But if you say faggot, the audience is going to like titter. And the thing is, well, it depends on the audience, number <clears throat> one. But yes, generally. Yeah. And you it, know. it like there's there's that and that's super tiring. But then there's also the game of you. People don't think about the fact that you can't do this in private. This is not like singing. Nobody's naturally good at this. I so frequently will have friends be like, oh, well, this person's not naturally funny or this person is naturally funny. And it kind of doesn't matter. What matters is what happens between your potential and seven years later, like what you're doing along the way. And it requires a lot of just figuring things out. And you you can't do that on your own. Well, the other thing is, is that. You know, it is all about – I tell people, it's all about stage time. You can sit and write on your computer. I used to say typewriter. <laughs> anyway, you could work, you know, write on your computer all day. But unless you go in front of an audience, you have no idea what's funny. And timing is is pertinent to it as well. But I never thought anyone was recording me right. or, you know, uh, videotaping me, you know, developing a bit and then putting it on – some social media thing and, you know, then you get in trouble. And the thing is, I don't want to live in a world where everyone's Twitter feed has been vetted so that they can potentially be a Supreme Court justice one day. Right. When I was an undergrad, there was this one girl who was like, always in her head, she was like, I'm going to have confirmation hearings one day. So like, she wouldn't smoke pot, she wouldn't do anything. Like, her boyfriend kept trying to get her to have sex um, in the laundry room and she was like, no. And it was like, eh. A, under- Why the laundry room? I don't uh, know. But like, you check with me first. Go, go. Yes, we're boss. now in a place where our president has done cocaine, and you should understand that the world's going to move along. But also, that's just no way to live. It's just no way to live, and especially if you're a comedian. Like, comedy would be really, really boring if everybody was just saying things that were life affirming and didn't challenge or question what anyone believed. Well. That's not comedy. That's bullshit. Yes. And it's so annoying to me that, you know, this country is turning into like, you know, we're just as religiously zealoty as these other countries. These these right wing Christians, they're living in their own fucking world. I don't need Jesus fucking carrying the cross across here. Yes, I don't know who that well, no, was. But there's she's some, very funny. I mean, it's it's just so hilarious that up until George Bush got elected, we kept talking about how everything needed to be all of our social services should be going through faith based organizations, and we should be funneling a bunch of funds there. Right. And then suddenly, everyone became scared of Islam, and then every penny that was ever donated to a mosque was suddenly potentially going to uh, to terrorists. And right. then, and Kansas was so worried about Sharia law being placed right. in like. And I was always like, is there going to come a day when they're going to pass one of those constitutional amendments in the Midwest that says remove like Sharia law can never be our law and that has to remove their gay marriage ban and stuff like that? Right. The thing is, is that these people need someone to think for them. They are afraid of their own thoughts. So and afraid of of expanding their brains so that they can see other points of view. That's why I like being a Jew, because being a Jew is all like even your bar mitzvah or your bat mitzvah is about taking this passage that's been around for thousands of years and interpreting it your own way, you know? And we're taught to think of different sides of different, you know. I grew up in, like, the least Jewish place ever. Wait, so you were in Yuba? Yes, Yuba City. Yuba City, California. So it's, like, a little almond farm, like, an hour north of Sacramento, a very sort of, like, 
farming place. Right. But my mom's family are Jews from Arkansas. No, they're not. Yes, they are. You're Jewy? Yes! Where's our bell? Our Jew bell. (laughs) There it is. All right. Guy, I'm so excited. It's very exciting. But I Did you get bar mitzvah? No. I mean Why? Because we were in the middle of nowhere. Did, she married the Goy? She married a Goy. Like how Goya? Like Goyish. Like Southern Baptist. Like everyone in my town is either like from Arkansas, Mexican, or from this one part of India. Okay. But like everyone I was related to <laughs> A little late, Lauren. Go like, ahead. Like everybody everybody in town. I had a cousin who was 15 years younger than me who said, like, reckon when he was a child. Like, it was that kind of place. So, but your mother's a Jew. Yes. And, like, ring. And being. That means you're Jew. Being raised with a firm sense of the world. Like the world doesn't work the same way for all people. Like somebody's getting basically her hitting me with a heart. Somebody's always getting screwed over. Figure out who's being screwed over. Um, Well, they all hate us. I grew up with that. (laughs) Judith, they hate us. Everyone. And you know what? She's right. They do. They all hate us. We get blamed for everything. We get kicked out. Meanwhile, look. Look at what we've contributed to the world. You know, in science, medicine, arts, fashion, literature, everything. Okay, engineering. Fuck you. Then you hate us so much. Also, Jews are great in bed. I don't know (laughs) why nobody talks about Lauren, you look at me. I give you a thumbs up or a thumbs down, and then you can talk. Yes, boss. Okay. So, um, and Jews are great in bed. A lot of... A lot of they will they will come for us again. Like a lot of they but will I come for us again and again and again. And- <laughs> All right, that's not that fucking funny. Listen, but they are. Look at what's going on in Europe. Yeah, and here, the, in, even in California, and, yeah, and on college campuses. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Ms. Judy Gold. All right, anyway. So, um, all right. And are you. It gives a new meaning to kill me now. I just got dark. Um, we're Jews, and you're not allowed. Anyway, so um, Madam Free Speech went. That's not funny. Real quick, didn't she? (laughs) Listen, I need to know. Yes, because I I I watched you on uh, Keanu Bell's show. Yes, are you really a football fan? Um, That's Kamal Bell. Kamal Bell. Uh, Whatever. Shut up. Um, How do you say his name again? Kamal. Kamal. Ring it. Okay. I played football in high school, and so I understand it better than I understand other sports. I don't really like sports. Like, there's no, like, there was one time when I was, like, very, very emotionally hurt by a boy, and I was at a bar, and I looked up, and I was able to, like, watching something where you're invested, but there's not the same kind of emotional investment that there is in a story. Right. I kind of got it for a moment, Mm. but mostly I'm just like, "Uh, it's not for me. Okay, let me ask you a question. Yes. You played football in high school. Yes. All right. And you're gay. Yes. You're a gay. Yes. Okay. So, um, what, like, I need to know what happened in the locker rooms. Okay. Well, it was just the thing of, like, 
it's so funny when people get freaked out about trans people going into bathrooms mm-hmm. because it's like you shouldn't be scared of trans people. You should be scared of gay people going to the place that we're designated to go to. Right. As a 13 year old being dropped into a place full of very, very athletic post pubescent guys, it was the scariest thing ever because I was like, oh, Jesus Christ, they're going to figure like it was super hot, but it was also like they're going to figure me out. Now, did you look at the cocks? A lot. Oh, God, yes. So you were looking. Did you ever get caught looking at a cock? I don't know. I mean, the thing is, is I all All guys look at each other's cocks is the thing. It's true. There were a couple of times in like we did we did these like (laughs) pile up exercises where where we were supposed to like after whoever sacked the guy with the ball, we were all supposed to specifically pile and then stay on. I don't know why. But that meant it's so sexual that sport. I was laying on top of Bobby Cooper for like oh, Bobby Cooper five minutes, and I, I just like gently ran my hand up and down his stomach, and I can still remember that. And it was how so hard good. did you get? Oh, it was it was uh, it was. The Are worst. you getting uh, uh, chubby right now? <sighs> just thinking about Bobby Bradley, Bobby, Bobby. Cooper. They're very fond memories. But I was uh-huh. also so so psychologically broken that I like could not handle that in any way. Did, yeah. When did you come out to your parents? Uh, after I didn't come out to anyone until after my first year of law school, mm-hmm. uh, and I came out to my parents first, and then like after that, just tried to get it out there as as quickly as possible because everyone had been like. Every it was the terrible situation of everyone knew except for me. Right. And did you not know or you just didn't want to deal with it? Well, it's the interesting thing, and we need to talk about this because right. like female comedians coming out like well into life is a thing that fascinates me. The thing is, is as a gay guy, I knew it was making my dick hard when I was thirteen years old. Right. I just were like, gay people are disgusting. I'm not one of them. There's just something different that's wrong with me. And it mm-hmm. took like four years of Berkeley and a lot of like Shakespeare classes and chilling out and old Jewess is teaching me about Freud right. before I could sort of. I can't believe you're at Berkeley and you don't come out. And then I went to Minnesota. I, went I to... know. Minnesota. It was horrible. You know who went to Minnesota law school? Who? Karen Burgreen. Oh. I don't know her. Oh, she's so funny. She's a comic? Yes, so funny. Oh, that's she's crazy. She's written a bunch of, of books, too, that are hilarious. I have to find out about this um, because, like, the University of Minnesota Law School is a place where comedy goes to die. Oh, yeah. She went to Harvard and then University of Minnesota. Oh, that's real fancy. Oh, my God. Yeah. You guys in a room. She's great. Anyway, but. um, So I, the whole time was just sort of like. In and what year was this? Hard denial. So I came out in 1999. Okay. Um. But before that, like my my last year at Berkeley, I was writing for the campus paper. Mm -hmm. Um, Wait, didn't you write something about Chelsea Clinton? Yes. And then the Secret Service came to your door? Yes. Because it was a Stanford versus... It was like the Stanford-Berkeley game, and I needed to write something, and I was up against a deadline. So there had been like a big hullabaloo about how no one at Stanford was supposed to talk about her in the paper, and a guy got fired because of it. And I was like, oh, there are these like fancy rich people who are like blowing the president and telling him how great he is. Mm-hmm. We're just like regular scrappy Berkeley. No one fancy wants to go here. Like we should. But Berkeley's also doing the job of educating 40,000 people right. from like lower class backgrounds. Right. And, and I was, it's such a good school. I was basically saying we should trash their campus. Like the only thing that really separates Berkeley from Stanford is prettiness of campus because right. it's like 6,000 rich people versus right. 40,000 poor people. Right. Um, but then I said that we should beat up Chelsea Clinton along the way. And, <laughs> um, and that was a joke. It was a joke. Uh-huh. Okay. What's terrible is 
I wrote in my column, Chelsea Clinton represents the Stanford ethos of establishment worship, which must be subverted and destroyed. Mm -hmm. The Associated Press quoted it as Chelsea Clinton dot 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 must be destroyed. Uh Oh, I fucking hate that. (laughs) Of course they did. uh, um, I react first and then you maybe can have a reaction. It's so fucking unbelievable. Like I in um, when was it? I guess it was 2003 or four. Four? It was 2004. That sounds right. You're right, boss. I am at a uh, fundraiser for Howard Dean. He mm-hmm. was in the lead, and I really did not like George right. Bush. So um, I, I'm doing stand-up. Janine Garofalo's there, David Cross. It was like, you know, we're doing this fundraiser. And I say at the end of my set, first I opened up with my Dick Cheney, Mary Cheney joke, which was – I had this joke about uh, – Mary Cheney asked her mother if she could bring her girlfriend to the inauguration, and the mother said, you want your father to have another heart attack? (laughs) Which was actually my mother playing part of it. Lynn Cheney has never had that much emotion in the entirety of her life. So I do that. And at the end, I was like, I was so stoked. I did a great job. And I really want that. I wanted George W. Bush out. And so I said, just remember, we have to get that living, breathing piece of shit out of office. Okay? I mean, it was like, I got death threats of my for my oh, family. No. Yeah. I had... Wait, you got death threats serving, from your family? For my fa- Like, oh. don't, you know, sleep well tonight. And, do, you know, if anything happens to your kid, you know. It oh was my like, God. oh my God. It's like ridiculous. How much have you paid attention to Gamergate? Gamer Gates? Yes. Are you at all aware of that? No. It was th- these girls who basically made some relatively innocuous comments about the place of women in the video game industry. Uh-huh. And then all of the nerds got together and started sending SWAT teams to their homes and figuring out where they lived. It's basically just like the best example of the disparity in violence threats that happen to women who say something versus men who say right, something. Right, right, right. Um, and it's terrifying. and these guys get away with like you think of all the politicians that cheated on their wives or been in these scandals, and then you know rush fat fuck no kids for marriages, a drug addict talking about Hillary Clinton you know, and her legs and her breath. Fuck you, you fat piece of shit. It's just I don't get I don't understand where this shit comes from. All right, so you're let's go back. So it's ni- it's 1999. It was just the thing of when I was at Berkeley in the campus paper, I said that I was not gay in my column and the editorial board of the paper voted to disagree with me. I'm <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> like you uh, too your, much. Your heterosexuality was a typo. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's great. Um so yes, I came out in 99 mm-hmm. and it was terrifying and like it really was pushed along. What did your Jewish mother say? Um, my mom cried. Mm-hmm. She was very upset. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad said, what, did God make a mistake? And I said, no, you did. And my mom honestly nice. to this day kind of believes if my father had managed tag teaming the logic better, they could have talked me out of it. That's she- so ridiculous. <laughs> and not, how old How old is your are your parents? They are now 62 and 63. I don't get that. I don't, fi- my mother's 90 92. Yeah. Uh, I, I, 
What? I have a theory, okay, on on the the baby boomer generation and how conservative they are. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense because they were all hippies and like free love and and what mm-hmm. the hell, right? But at the end of the hippie generation, I mean, they were all strung out, you know, kind of destitute, probably didn't have like, you know, they were like tired, tired of all the drugs and all the shit. AIDS was starting to, you know, there were sexual diseases. Get to the fucking point. So then the Christian movement comes along, picks them up, gives them water, says, we love you. They're still coming down off of acid thinking they're seeing Jesus and they get swept up in that. No, I know. Well, look, Duggar had a friggin' abortion before, you know. Really? Yeah, I think she look that up, please, Lauren. Thank you. Yes, sir. I think she, yeah, she either had an abortion, definitely had premarital. Whatever sex. you think of those people, are you talking about the little girl Duggar or the mom Duggar? The mom Duggar. Whatever you say about those people, that's a resilient uterus. Like that's a re, that's a uterus that's I, been yes, through a lot. But they are horrible people. Yes, and you know the ones that head of the family research, anti gay, 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 and gay, gay, gay. You're fucking twenty whatever years old. And one of those kids is gay. The statistics that 19 kids out of 19, how many, there's got to be two and a half kids that are I gay. I hate the, the self-righteousness of shiny normal people always makes me want to stab them. Because you're always going to find out the terrible thing or just the, the not. Yeah, but also the, we love you, the patronizing. Yes. But we love you and we're all sinners. I'm not a fucking sinner. But listen, here's my logic on my well, mom. I am probably. Here's my logic on my mom. <laughs> she just, in a very, I mean, it's like we're cross-pollinating Jewish mom mm-hmm. with mom of loving gay son. So she really thought my place in this world was just to obey her, like just to be the man that she could never be, like go out there and do impressive things so she could brag about it at Target to other ladies. Right. And this, she just, like she didn't understand so what. So she's a Jew that goes to Target. <laughs> So she's not really Jewish. She's not really Jewish. I mean, she Jewish. goes to Target. What does she buy? She doesn't buy clothes at Target, she does doesn't, she? Target has good clothes. Okay, so she's not full Jew. Okay, <laughs> ring that bell. Ring the bell. Okay. Um, she does ex- spend a lot of time explaining me how she paid less for the things at Target than she should have. I can't see if uh, a Duggar had an abortion, but they definitely compared abortion. Jess and Duggar compared abortions to the Holocaust. Unfortunately, yeah. a lot of them taste like chalk. And Thankfully, I found Crest Sensi Relief. It actually tastes that? good. I have and no. relief. That's because you went on a link Idea. and a commercial came on. That's what now, happened. Look at the Duggar, you know, Jim Bob and, and whatever the fuck her name is. Okay. They're so unattractive, too. The fact that they fuck all the time is so that hair. annoying. That hair. That hair from the 1890s yeah. gold rush. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Ms. Judy Gold. Listen, you, all right, go. So you tell me, uh-huh. there are so many ladies who... I love that you say lady. I'm sorry. No, I love that. Um, no one calls me a lady. There are so many... She's a lady. Oh, wait, whoa, we're on... Whoa, whoa. We may not be able to sing that because we're on CBS and, you know, they have to get the rights. Right, go. <laughs> Comics of the 80s and 90s, the number of women who came out after 35 is, like, pretty significant. And, like... I feel like lesbians are better at talking around things than than gay men are. Not you, Judy, but most of them. Um, basically, it's like, when did you understand that you were gay? Like, when did you- So I always 
knew there was something different. Like uh-huh. from the time I was three, I'm like, I'm not like them. I remember when we moved uh, to our house in New Jersey, we lived in an apartment, then we moved to the house. And I remember I would, I knew that I would get crushes on girls and not guys. And it wasn't until, you know, until I was an adolescent and um, you become sexual. It was the complete natural process of a nor of like a straight yeah. heterosexual person. Well, I always just wonder about these people who say, cause like, Wanda's pretty forward about saying, like, no, I understood that this was a thing. I just didn't really go after it oh, until no. later. I, 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 but the people who say that, like, I was 35 before I figured it out. That, that to me, is ridiculous. I always – I question that. Now, yeah. I always knew. And, you know, I never talked about it on stage until I had kids because I really had nothing to say. Yeah. I was in a relationship. I was a comic on the road. What was I going to say? I'm in a relationship. Like, was there, were no, there was no material. Well, there's the twin thing of, like – just being a woman fighting through the system on its own right. had to have been super hard. But then there's also the weird way that like there weren't that there weren't that many gay comedians who managed to succeed in the generations before me. And it's very hard to see like the butch lesbians in San Francisco who have been doing this for 20 years and nobody ever had a need for them or the people who sort of like – you know, it's like, well, I know the, who Bob White is. Nobody else in comedy right. knows who Bob White is. Do you know Bob Smith? He's Bob my, Smith. That's what I'm thinking of. Openly okay, Bob. Okay, so yeah. Bob Smith is my Legend. best friend. Oh, really? Yes. And we actually own a house together. Anyway, Bob Smith um, is the greatest. I mean, I remember in the mid-80s at Comedy U Grand. This is before you were born. <laughs> um, in the mid-80s. By the way, November 12th. Uh-huh. November 15th. Okay, <laughs> that's our birthday. Don't talk. Anyway, um, I remember I became friends with Bob because he was part of Funny Gay Males. Yeah. And uh, at Comedy U, he would just get on stage and he would say, uh, in the middle of his act, uh, um, I told my parents I was gay. Like, in the just, that was it. And, yeah. it w- and, you know, he went through a lot of shit, but he didn't care. And he's so smart. He was the first... Uh, out on the, Tonight Show. on the Tonight Show. His HBO special is great. Mm-hmm. Um, he has ALS now. He can't speak anymore. But um, he's like still smile on his face. And he is, you know, for me, I was like, I love this guy. I mean, he is fearless and non-threatening and Very smart. Very handsome too. I know. But, you know, I, and I would perform in Provincetown and I was, I wasn't in Mm-hmm. I just didn't have anything to say. And then when I had kids in 96, when Henry was born, I was like, I have so much material. Which is also real early on the curve. Like, right. it's real early on the curve. That's that's before Ellen, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, but I was doing it in the club. She did it, you know. Yeah. But the thing is, like, we talked about this uh, a few weeks ago about how, you know, these people are, are famous. They got all their money. By the way, I'm now going to come out. And right. it's like... I couldn't – I could not live with myself. Like, first yeah. of all, what kind of message is that to my kids? Right. Listen, um, we're a gay family. I'm going to fight for our rights, but on stage – you know, you just can't. Like, yeah. there's something wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with it. That's all – And I have – I'm not a rant. Yes, yes, miss. And I – there – it's just this this constant – you know, look, I, I am a comic and I happen to be gay. I mean, I made it through the whole, you know, 80s boom and 90s boom – doing my act and i i never talked about like girly you know it yeah. but it doesn't matter you know 
but when I became a mother, every comic talks about their families. Right. So I'm going to talk about my family. So I kind of essentially came out as a lesbian mom. Uh-huh. So, which has another layer to it. Uh, and yeah, Ellen came out, but but we're talking about things that make us angry. Here's right. the thing. Here's the thing. When people are like, "Oh, I don't want to come out because that's all they'll see me as," or whatever, like that's th- your own fucking paranoia. Th- well, and also that's not my fucking problem. Right. If, if that's if that's all an audience can do, that's their fucking problem. And why don't I tell good enough jokes that they're gonna want to come along with me? Right. And like God knows, for a long time there were a lot of people who kind of weren't able to see past that, you know, weren't able to see past that fat gay guy yelling. And that's them. That's not me. I was doing good work. Right. If you were straight and yelling, you'd just be a fat straight guy. Yes. But the thing is, is were you always fat, by the way? Yes. I can, I can still wear, I have a couple of shirts from when I was in eighth grade and I can, that you can still wear. Yes. Did you get teased all the time? Yes. Me um, too. I got called Bigfoot and Sasquatch and Orca every fucking day of my life. The thing is, I only really got bothered for being faggoty, really. Like I only really, wow. it's so funny in like third grade, we had this thing where Mrs. Sanger was talking to everybody about having, she's eaten. Jewish, Mrs. Sanger. No, no, no. All right, go. Um, but she could go back in <laughs> on ancestry.com and I'm sure there's a fucking Jew. Somebody, in somebody fled Jewish. something. Yeah. The amount of time as a child, my mom spent preparing us for when we were going to have to flay. <laughs> but um, it like, but it was like everybody was calling me gay guy or saying that I was weird or just trying to right. figure that out. And she was like, queer. They were looking for queer. Stop teasing. Stop teasing guy for being big. And it's like nobody was really teasing me for being big. Right. I, uh, I was six feet at 13 and I'm in New Jersey. Yeah. Welcome to the dollhouse. Do you remember that movie? Yes. That's like my child. My yeah. ex. Uh, I my know ex- your ex. Is the uh, what's her name? You Heather. dated Heather Matarazzo? Yes, for years. Fancy. Yeah. Also, you Fancy. Get, you got a type. <laughs> I I have a type like Jewy and big hair. Oh, that's true. Yeah, you know, she's true. not Jewish. She's Italian. She's Italian. Oh. Actually, no, she's Irish. Hundred percent Black Irish. Well, her last name is Matarazzo. I assume she was there's... adopted. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, but I did do... you look up the Duggar information I'm looking for? I like women that look like they could be cast in the craft. Unbelievable. <laughs> uh, I can't find anything about her having an abortion. Not just... just do the premarital sex. Just look Duggar pre- premarital sex, and then we'll end that. You got it. So anyway, I'm having a very intensely loving. I love this guy. Guy Branham. Anyway. Um, Judy Gold, you fucking stop that. This is too wonderful. I watched you so much when I was starting you out. You did? I was so excited. When I realized that you were on All American Girl, I was just like, like I was like, this is going to be the best show ever. And it was, it was a sophomore in college. <laughs> and I didn't watch that much TV, but I specifically was at home every Tuesday or Wednesday, whenever it was. It was on Tuesday night. Uh, to watch it. And when it got canceled, I was torn the fuck they, you apart. Can get, did you see the, la- the episode where I was naked? No. <laughs> oh, we all move in together. And I walk around the house naked all the time. I mean, I'm sure I saw it. <laughs> and I was pixelated. But that, and then like her whole family comes over. I'm like, hey, what's going on? <laughs> um, and then the, the younger brother kept saying, can we go see Gloria? Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was, it's, it, I, I, thank you for that. Because, uh, you know, I tell Lauren a lot of, uh, I've uh, on line and, and, I've hel- I've dealt with a lot of kids who were are having issues. A- anonymously, I don't you talk about it at all. But there have been kids that I 
you know, reached out to me and are now grown up. One was born a woman and is, is was born female and is now male. And, you know, it's just so great to be able to put on uh, the TV and see some outspoken, you, you know. Wanna, do you want to hear the best fucking story ever? Yes, the fucking best. Okay. I was in I was in San Francisco for Sketchfest, and mm-hmm. I basically had two interactions over the course of an evening. One with sort of like an out gay comic who was just from that generation before me who were so scar ridden mm-hmm. by all of the rejection that mm-hmm. he was kind of a dick to me the whole way up and just mm-hmm. sort of didn't deal with me. So I had right. that interaction, and then I had an interaction with a guy who came out of the closet not that long ago and is still not so great about being around other gay people. Uh, And I was just in very much this place of, there's no fucking place for me in this. Why do I do this? Blah, blah, blah. And then there was this gorgeous, gorgeous boy in the corner making s'mores for us. And um, (laughs) Michael McKeon or whatever his name was Mm -hmm. from, uh, no, the one from Mad TV. (laughs) No. Okay. Uh, That one has always been lovely to me. Okay, because I love him. Uh, uh, Well, I was just trying to figure out who it is and I... (laughs) I put wrote it down. Oh. Judy and Guy had a uh, little uh, note passing All right, session go ahead. for those listeners Point listening is, over audio. I went up it's to a podcast. I went up to this boy to find out whether he was gay or not for one of the other gay comedians there. And before I had a chance to say anything, he was like, "Oh my god, you're Guy Branham!" And I was like, "Yeah." And he was like, "When I was basically was like when I was back in Little Rock, mm-hmm. seeing you on TV was like one of the first things that let me know it was okay to be gay." And I was like, first of all, doesn't that isn't that make it all worth it made me feel old like (laughs) but no it was it was so completely worth it it was so completely how many people come up to me and they're like my grandmother loves you right or my mother loves you i'm like fuck what about you oh i love you too (laughs) but yeah it's 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 so important like i i never i don't i this really is like the most passionate thing i could speak about (laughs) that's why she can't speak what? Thank you. Uh, I, you are born, like I tell, I just spoke at this, you know, um, GLBTQ for um, high school kids, Pride Works. And I said, you didn't ask to be born. You were born this way. And you're not responsible for your parents' happiness, for any, your pastor's happiness, your whatever. You're responsible for being who you are and being proud of who you are and living a great life. You know, it's like so many people feel like, oh, I'm such a, like, I have this whole theory about, and it's definitely for my generation, the gay available child. So it's always like when the parents get sick in my generation, it's the gay kid that takes care yeah. and is the one because they feel guilty to make up. I'm so sorry. I, right. you know, disappointed you. Fuck that. The gay kid is the one that I have to say, I feel like I'm favored. Don't you think a little <laughs> bit on the favorite? Oh yeah. All right. But it's, it's just this, you know, when people say, Oh, well we got like, you know, who cares about gay marriage? We have like, we had a commitment ceremony. No, it's, we're not fucking equal. Do you fucking understand? I pay my taxes. I contribute to this world. I, you you're not gonna treat me equally well a i think that jewiness just gives you such nice rails to get on for a sense of civil rightsiness and sort of like no let's 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 do this right but then there's also the thing of like it's so easy for gay people in a city to take this attitude of who's going to indiana anyway who's getting a pizza at their wedding there well a 
when you're starting out as a gay comic and you're hosting Vallejo Pride or whatever, right. you see who's getting a pizza at their wedding right. and you realize they're the ones who need rights. Right. But then there's also just the thing of like, we don't... Like, we... We don't. My mic's on. We don't get born to gay parents. We're we, back. we don't get born in gay neighborhoods. Like there are little kids in Indiana who are having to figure this shit out, and we have no one to talk to. We need to do yeah. everything we can to make sure that we they don't kill themselves. I always say we're the only minority with the good taste to kill ourselves. Right? We don't. Yeah, we, we don't kill other people. <laughs> well, also we don't wait for a police officer to come along right. and do it. We just solve the problem ourselves. So mom has nothing to clean up. It's just unbelievable that you could have a child and i mean because i have children so i know and just reject the child you know for being someone if you i asked this one woman after one, uh, my show 25 questions for a jewish mother and i said uh she's like well you know i really couldn't deal uh with that i said would you rather have your child marry a black guy or a, be with a jewish woman and she said uh Oh God! I, and it was the black guy. It was like because he has a penis, you know. Yeah. It's get. It's, <laughs> what? It's just ridiculous how important our peepees are. It's like stop being so obsessed with our peepees. But it's just man. this whole worry. like we. It's who you love, and you're saying to my kid. My kids have no idea why we our family wouldn't be as valid. Why I couldn't visit. Uh, my partner, you know, in one of these states in the in the ICU. I mean, Heather couldn't just, visit me in the hospital when I was. It there. was. It's beyond. The two mom stats are the best thing ever. You have a child with two gay dads; they're just as fine as any other child. You have a child with two moms; they don't die. Like they just don't get. But like the there's thing so is, much is healthier. that there's zero percent um, domestic violence in uh, gay. Look that up. But I think it's a, 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 like minus. Okay, my last year at Berkeley, we spent a lot of time talking about lesbian domestic violence. Like there no, was for, oh no, lesbians kids. beat oh. the shit out of each other. No, I mean towards the kids. Yeah. Like, so uh, do gay men. Uh, yeah, but it's hot. Um, <laughs> um, my like it's my mom won't like sh- they'll watch me on the TV with the sound off. Like they. They're excited that things are happening for me. It just so bothers them to them that it's tied up well, this with one is, of their great shames. Right. But it's that that's their problem. That's what these people don't understand. It's and, not your problem. It's their problem. And, like my mother's like, uh, you know, why can't you be like Ellen? She doesn't talk about it all the time. I'm like, I don't talk about it all the time. But that's who I am. I'm not going to fucking not talk but about it's also, it. Also, what's interesting about that is these ladies who honestly taught us to be pushy and taught us like we to go for what you want. And yes. yeah. And also who vented all of their emotions at us are somehow expecting us to not. Be- oh, right. To be repressed. Yes. It's like my mother. If if the gas station attendant like dripped a little gas on the she'd be writing a letter and calling the head of Exxon like my, that. My right. mother was like this, like a, an advocate, you know, for herself, like a consumer advocate. And was always, oh, I'm, you know, my, I got a review, 25 questions for a Jewish mother. Uh, we got a rave in the time. It was uh-huh. a very well reviewed, yeah. very successful show. And we went on the road for three years. And the Star Ledger, which is my hometown paper from uh-huh. New Jersey, the guy gave me a terrible review. And I'm at a media thing. And the candy, her name was, was doing press for the show. And she's like, Judy, I need to talk to you. And, and I'm like doing some kind of radio show. She's like, I really need to talk to you. I just got, um, 
I just got a call from the guy who wrote the bad review uh, that uh, there's a message from your mother uh, on his answering machine, uh, and he wants she wants him uh, to call her back. He's not going to call her back. He's not going to call her back. And you can't have your mother. So of course I was like, oh God, it's embarrassing. And then I call my mother. She's like. I can't call him. First of all, it has his phone number in the uh, review at the bottom, and he has in his opinion, and I have mine. So if I have to listen to his opinion, he couldn't listen to. My, I mean, it was, and it made so much sense. And yeah. I was like, "That's why I love my mother." But she yeah. fucking called the reviewer to tell him what an <laughs> asshole he is. And then when my next one woman show, the Judy show, he actually gave me uh, a decent review. Um, but, you know, it said something about, you know, my mother. There's something beautiful about the world that you come from never really getting you. Right. That I think is lovely. And also to your point about, I think that there, if you can do the work of figuring yourself out, figure, coming out of the closet is so valuable. Because having that breaking point. Well, that's what Harvey Milk said. And real, Yeah. Because then everyone will realize, oh, my God, my best friend's gay. Oh, my God, my dry cleaner's gay. But, my bus driver's but gay. Also but also internally, yeah. internally realizing Oh, I'm not living for them. I'm, I'm not living for me. Yeah, yeah, and like when you accept that the structures of the world around you don't necessarily work for you, you can pick the ones that do work for right. you. You know, and also this whole uh, caring about what other people think, like like Elisa, my partner, who I mm-hmm. love. Um, you know, I'll say something. We'll be in a, out to dinner, and I'll say, "Oh, and Elisa and I had a fight about blank," and then we'll leave. Now they think we fight all the time. I said. First of all, I don't care if they think that. And second of all, they don't. And all people think about is, is themselves. They, that's all they fucking give a shit about. Well, also, you said earlier, you said you wanted to talk about social media. And I think the best thing about social media is getting everybody a lot more chill with being honest so that we can all be honest and not have to pretend right. that but, we're these people who don't fight or, you know. But it's also like it gives a platform to people who do not deserve a platform. Uh-huh. It also is... Uh, this is what I f- and I really find this sad. So I'm watching TV. That new fucking iWatch or Apple Watch uh-huh. is coming out, and there's a guy at the end of this commercial. I said this to Elisa last night. Like the end of the commercial, there's the guy is laying in bed and he's reading, and he his watch uh, makes a noise and it's a heart pitter pattering, and he's like, uh, like someone loves me. You need a fucking watch with a heart icon. What about calling the person and saying, I love you? You know, yeah. like there's no, it's unbelievable. The lack of interaction. Like I have talk about how I used to get stoned and go to tower records and sit there four hours looking through albums. No one bothered me. I had thoughts. They stayed in my head or I wrote. I mean, it's just, it's, we are now having a, a, oh, they, they also tell you when you have to get up and walk around. Yeah. You know, it's like we now have a computer telling us, oh, it's time to get up and walk around. Just what the fuck yeah. happened? I do worry. Yeah. I do worry about people losing the capacity to think for themselves. The Uber driver who brought me over here just couldn't do anything but do exactly what the GPS was telling him. That's to. what I did. I told him no. And then, of course, I realized the GPS was wrong. But anyway, I did Waze. Do you do Waze? Uh, I, no, I don't. Waze is a really good GPS because it gets it's real time and it gets you out of traffic. Like if you're in the car, if yeah. you're a Wazer, uh-huh. uh, you can say, oh, there's a lot of traffic. To, you know, and then, it, all right, whatever. Go. Integrating traffic knowledge is extremely important to yes. figuring out routes in Los Angeles. Yes. Here, I used to look at the Thomas Guide. Did you read the article about the Thomas Guide in the New York Times a few weeks no. ago? Uh, 
So in the magazine, they had a th- – now, when I went to L.A. in uh, – I got – it was 91. I got a uh, guest spot on Roseanne, and I started doing Mitzi Shore uh-huh. in the belly room upstairs, gave me every Friday night. Oh, that's awesome. And I had my own show, and I really developed material for my HBO special where I won the Cable Ace Award. <laughs> anyway, but um, – you know, and I always got on stage. I'm one of these people. You can ask Lauren. I work fucking 24 hours a day. But the thing is, is that you couldn't get anywhere without the Thomas Guide. And people would, and it was this huge book, and it had every street and every, you know, and people would say, oh, I'm on page 42, <laughs> G4, you know? And that's how you could not get around. L.A. without this Thomas Guide. Oh, that's so funny. And this guy talked about the Thomas Guide and how. That was your intro to L.A. It's like the MTA, like the subway system here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now it's like turn right. And it's like I realize now I, after using the Thomas Guide, of course, really learned east, west, north, south, navigating the streets. But now with this fucking thing going, make you don't even think about where you are. No one thinks like the arts are so I just can't like that's what the government wants. Okay. So we can become more malleable. No, it's true. I just – I feel like nature. I feel like – I went to – a couple of years ago, we went to Paris for my 50th. And I purposely did not get a phone plan. Yeah. I, I, it was amazing. And I remember that. You know, I remember most of my life I have not had a cell phone, you know? Yeah. Or the internet. I mean, I, I hear about people who just sort of like take a week off or whatever, and I'm envious of that, but it is that comic thing of I feel like I should always be working, so right. you always want to have the tools to be able to do the work Right, but that's do. why I have 70,000 notebooks. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's, it's... But it's also social media work. It's also, I have... Right. It's know, like, oh, you got to go on Twitter, and yo, know, you got to go yes. on this, and the Vine, and the Instagram, and the, and I'm just like... I just want to read and think, Uh you know, and then write an article or get on stage. And it's like, unless you keep up this fucking constant, I feel like the anxiety level, the ADHD, like I, you have to, this stuff definitely affects your brains. Absolutely. What's so fascinating is just from an evolutionary perspective, how, how limited an amount of time it is that this has been going on. Right. And sort of understanding things that like, well, when you're talking with someone over Skype, like I'm sure that there are chemicals that aren't activating that you get from being around someone or... Or those therapists that do, you know, so many therapists do FaceTime and Skype. Phone therapy is the worst. I did. Oh, wait. I have the best phone therapy story. Okay. So when I lived in LA, uh, I went to this therapist. Uh-huh. Helene Green. And she wore really big shoulder pads and had these big glasses. Anyway, and you could totally see her clock that uh-huh. she used to stare at. Anyway, you know, to tell you, time to yes. wrap up. So I go back to New York, right? And um, I'm doing phone therapy with her, uh-huh. right? And I don't remember when my appointment was, but I had this, you know, standard appointment. So um, I call, no answer. I call, no answer. She calls and says, listen, Judy, I'm having a problem with the phone. I'm going to call you right back on my other line. Uh She calls me back. We start therapy. All of a sudden, I hear horns beeping. Oh, shit. (laughs) 
I'm like, you're fucking driving in your car. She was driving. And this is how shitty, stupid I am. I kept her for a few more weeks because it was so hard for me to say. Like, Judy, my- Judy, how did you feel about that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Let me tell you, my my clean. There's, I have a woman, Joy, who's come to me for years, and she cleans my apartment every other week. Okay, today she says to me, "Not kidding." First of all, she cleans everything with palm olive. She said it cuts the grease. It's like my floor is palm olive. Well, that's what so, it says on the bottle. So anyway, today um, I had bought. Um, what is that? Uh, not scrubbing bubbles, but the other one. Uh, you know, uh, uh, whatever. It's one of those fan- cl- yes. cleaners. Fantastic. But it's got a thing on it that looks like bubble. Anyway, so. Mr. Bubble? Shut up! Yes, miss. So anyway, sorry. Can we get a new mic? So, um, so anyway, so she is, uh, today she says to me, listen, and I have two bottles of this cleanser, which is like a general yeah. cleanser. I can't. This makes my eyes run. Can can you get? She's Jamaican or I I or from the islands. Like so, uh, she's like, uh, can you get some more of this? And it was Resolve, like uh, spray and wash. Yeah, this is the same thing, and it doesn't hurt my eyes. So I can clean the kitchen counter and everything with fucking spray and wash. I'm like, no, I th- fucking don't want everything to smell like fucking laundry. And my god, you know. Kill me okay. now. That's a kill me now. Where I I'm the fucking host. Look, yeah. one of the beautiful things about California is you're always dealing with a Spanish speaker who's cleaning your home. So there's right. a certain level of communication that will be impossible. Mm-hmm. And like that plus guilt means I just never question what Maria does. Right. Maria's ways are her own. When she sent when she sent my cashmere hoodie through the washer, it was a difficult day oh. for mm. both oh of my us. God. <laughs> because being big. They don't realize how much we treasure our clothes. They and make shoes. one cute thing for me a year. Right. Like people don't right. people don't understand. The big and tall men's stores are just they're only for Armenian twenty somethings and JV football coaches. And like everything is for them. And I'm able to find like one adorable right. thing a year right. and it costs too much money. Right. And it's just not replaceable. I you know, my son is thirteen, my younger son Ben. Yeah. And he's about six, two and a half. He has a 14 men's shoe. Is he the crazy good basketball player? And he's the crazy good basketball yeah. player. All right. So he, like his shoes are tight. So he's yes. going to be a 15 soon, which is, we're done now. Now it's like some fucking online. The internet, but the internet is a beautiful place. And anytime you're in Portland, there is a great place called like odd size or something like that. Mm-hmm. That has like just options where you can go and buy stuff. But I wear a size 15 shoe and it's, um, mm, you know what that means? Does that, <laughs> let me ask you, you're gay and I need to know, cause only a gay guy would answer. If you have a big foot, do you have a big cock? Not necessarily. Okay. Mine's fine. Black, however, does mean what they say it does. Right. But there's also the really skinny people have like yeah, really the, big ones. The skinny guys, they always have the gigantic But do you song. think it's because they're skinny that it looks bigger? I think so. I think so. Did I ask you? No, no. I was just talking. I like talking about oh, dicks. All right. Yeah. You, so you think, yeah. All right. Yes. Because I, the only guy I had coitus with in, mm. in college, <laughs> which was actually because I was with a girl. You might be a lesbian was, if you call it coitus. I, I felt like, see, I come from the generation where I had to be with a guy to prove. Uh, and, and let me tell you, it was the most unnatural thing ever. <laughs> I felt like I was being raped and molested. Like it was just completely. Un- it was like if 
Christian Finnegan was with, you know, because Christian's here, uh, but was with a guy, you know, and you know. anyway, so I think that that would be super hot. I know you do, but okay. we're, wait, he's what not I'm with saying a guy? Is the guy was really skinny and had a 10 inch. Oh, and someone goes, well, that's why you're gay, because it was too big. And I'm like, no, that's not why I'm gay. That's a rough That's what he out. tells people. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Miss Judy Gold. Here's my thing with pornography, heterosexual pornography. Those girls always just seem how they it just always feels coercive. Like it never feels like it I don't watch a lot of porn because yes. I have a very vivid imagination. Yes. But the porn I've seen, the women are shit. They're uh-huh. pieces of shit and I so I can't deal with that. The lesbian I can't I don't know. Mo- a lot of lesbians watch gay guy porn. Yes. And I think it's because they're equal partners a lot of the time. Yeah, it's the huh. like uh, I mean, one time in Portland, I have a joke about this, but one time in Portland we went to like comedians went to a strip club, ha ha ha, and I was very much preparing for like the degree of like, oh, this is sad, but it was like a cool, lovely, everyone has a master's degree about what they're doing kind of situation. Um and it like f- female sexual objectification can be so nice if there isn't just that layer of terror and creepy on right, top of right, it. Right, right, right. Like, and the thing about, the nice thing about sexually objectifying gay guys is like, you're never going to strip away our humanity. Our right. world understands that men are supposed to be people. Right. Like, there's never going to be the, oh, right. she's a useless comrade. Right. But Unless all- you're trans. <laughs> but the That's other very thing, true. Uh, we're not- Your bodies belong to all of us. That's right. You exist to be killed on an SVU. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I'm ready. But the guys are so, they, guys are much, it's much easier for them to have sex without emotion. Yes. You know, without feeling. And it's just a sexual act. I can't do that. I don't want to have sex with someone who I don't have feelings for. Like, I just don't want to do it. I'd rather read a great book or some New Yorker article from like three years ago that I kept because I fucking torture myself. I fundamentally, I I fundamentally do not understand why the person who's supposed to be the primary relationship in my life is the person who I have good fucking chemistry with, because that's not necessarily like I, I am both a boutique physical type and a boutique personality type. So you're either going to like, I've had to deal with so many people's boring, stupid girlfriends or boyfriends. Right. And it's like, why don't I bring someone charming and amazing who I'm not having sex with? Christian, for example. Um, well, and know. then he's not that. Great. And then have he's some pretty cute. Have some guy who shows up to my house when things need to get taken care of, and we right. take care of things. Now I have my friend Dale, uh-huh. who is my understudy in Clinton the Musical, which yes. you both have to come see. I will. Eric, are you going to come see? Eric's Eric's an amazing photographer, and he's. Photographing. He's here taking pictures. Yeah, that's listeners. what I just said. Right. He's ta- he's a photographer, and I was just about to say he's here taking photos. Yes, boss. But you had to say pictures. I'm the fucking host! <laughs> Eric, is it photos or pictures? It's photographs. <laughs> photographs, anyway, we were both wrong. I did a... Whatever. So... Uh, now I forgot what I was fucking saying because I had to go off. You're understudy Dale. D- Dale. So Dale is You're 61. Hired. Okay. He has been an understudy for 40 years. He is one of the most well-respected 
theater, musical theater people ever. Patti Lapone puts him number one in his book, Thanks Him. And he said, you know, if I wasn't an understudy, I would never have had the opportunity to work with all these incredible stars in these incredible parts, right? And he's so fucking talented and so disciplined and so smart, like does the New York Times Sunday puzzle in like five seconds, yeah. right, Pen. So um, he has been with his partner for 38 years. After, um, I don't know, 20-ish, they split and they got back together. They're together 38 years. They are the primary, they are literally each other's, you know, Dale's father just died. He was there. You know, they are their primary relationship. They live on 50th Street. Dale lives in apartment uh, 6E and uh, his partner lives in apartment 5E. Oh, that's fantastic. That seems so civil. And they spent every morning they don't sleep he's like i don't need to sleep dale's like i don't want to sleep with anyone yeah they but they're literally go up and down the stairs they have dinner together every night they everything they do except you know taking a shit and whatever and going to sleep that makes it romantic and they have the most amazing relationship i love that I think so it's great. So, of course, I tell Elisa that, right? <laughs> Uh-oh. And she, you know, everything I say, that's why it's hard to be with a woman. I have a lot of, I think I think like a male a lot of time. Uh-huh. I don't, I have, I'm fearless. Um, I never thought because I'm a woman I can't do something. My father kind of taught me that. And, you know, I've. You know, this whole female comedian, male comedian, I never – I think I was so good friends with all the guys like on Tough Crowd and, you know, you you Christian wrote on Tough Crowd. You know, and I was sort of the token girl because I never wanted to fuck them. Right. I just wanted to talk and, you know. But I think one of the things with stand-up comedy is you have to – everyone must successfully be able to be a 25-year-old boy in a hoodie and like I'll completely yell at people for being – homophobic or misogynistic mm-hmm. or all of that but like when a little gay boy comes whining to me I'm like no you have to be able to hang you have to be able to do that if they say something you have to say something mean back to them like you oh, don't oh yeah absolutely well that's what you know I got teased so much and yeah. my mother told me to ignore them and literally I'm, I'm not kidding it was every at least two or three times a day I couldn't even walk out of my house to get my mail without the neighbor yelling um I, I forgot what he used to yell Sasquatch uh, no, it, well, I don't like hearing it like I still the words, you know, yeah. a clod. He used to call me clod hopper. And I didn't walk by a schoolyard. I've said this before till I was in my thirties and had kids. I would literally on the Upper West Side, I would cross the street if I passed like a schoolyard. And what is his name? What's his full name? Who? The, the kid no, who did this because he we ended up being friends. All right, there were a whole bunch. But I uh, imagine being six feet tall from the time you were thirteen also influenced the way you understand power dynamics and stuff, and also well, being gay. Right. Uh, but what I'm saying is that my, you know, my mother told me not to say, ignore them. If you pay attention to them, then you're giving them power. Right. right? So I did, I never said a word in my head. I was like, you fucking piece of, and I always, I had, I was lucky enough to have this mind that was like, I'm going to get out of here and I'm going to fuck these people. Fuck. Like I just knew it. Right. I was always shit talking in my head and never right. in real life. Right. And so. I recently I have this therapist I'm going to for a couple of years who's fucking phenomenal will not take any shit from me because I've charmed the pants off of every <laughs> therapist I've had and uh, and she said that was absolutely wrong of my mother to tell me to ignore them uh-huh. and I don't know 
you know, and I still, it's just incredible. The humiliation, the feeling of humiliation, that exact feeling comes back when I'm at a step and repeat, which if the listeners don't know what that is, it's if you're at a big event and, uh, you know, you, all the paparazzi are there and you stand in front of some sort of logo thing. And I often go to these big events and I step and repeat. Um, and when, the step and repeat person is like, I'm sorry, what's your name? Like, it's so humiliating. You just feel like, and I put myself as a comic in the most humility, like the probability that I'm going to be humiliated, but I don't, but I can fucking handle it because it, it was so bad, you know, nothing. I've been through it all. I've, I've performed in the shittiest places and, you know, bars and, you know, it's just, I don't know, but well, I mean, two things. First of mm-hmm. all, my my parents always told me that I was supposed to fight. Like if somebody said something, I was supposed to hit them. Right. And I so completely did not understand that, that I just completely checked out of interacting with human beings for the first 17 years of my life. But then there's also just the point of like, you kind of, that um, Eleanor Roosevelt quote about like... You know I play Eleanor Roosevelt and Clinton the you, music. You which, also which one? play Linda Tripp. Is it yes. Ghost of Eleanor Roosevelt's? Well, yes, because, you know, she is really Hillary's muse. Yes. Yes. There was the whole she talks to yeah, Eleanor's yeah, it's ghost all in it. Yeah, yeah. But um, just the thing of, like, I – my f- when I started homosexuality – Wait. Was, what's the quote? Oh, the quote is, like, people can only make you feel lesser with your consent. Right. Um, And, it, like, when I came out of the closet, I was just – I'm not pretty enough to be gay. I'm not pretty enough to be gay. And it was, like, terrifying and horrifying. And then just coming to that point of, like – Oh, just don't do that. Like, I know so many so hot guys who get... But that's all conditioned in your head. Freaked out. They get freaked out going to like a pool party in West Hollywood or something like that. And I look like me. And the answer is just have a good time. Right. Just have a good time. Don't do that. (laughs) Like, Is that the album of your cover? Kind of what that is? Yes. Let guys, listeners, all 24 of you. (laughs) um, Guy Branham's uh, new... I say album. Uh Uh-huh. Because... It will always be an album to me. Yes. And that is another thing that I find to be so – it causes me sorrow. The feeling of that plastic wrap uh-huh. and you take it apart and you open it up and it's got all this great art on it and stories. I mean getting a new album was like – Unfucking bleed, and you'd take it and you'd put it on your turntable, and it was it was an event. You know, I got this album. You'd listen to the whole thing, and yeah, it sucks. I but just I just love that I can never scratch an MP3. I don't care. I love the yeah, whatever. Uh, effable, which is so great. You jumping into a pool with these fucking hot guys. Uh, now, when you jumped in the pool, did the water go over the top? Oh God, yes. Yeah, um, that's fun. It's so funny because you know. Y- being a big person. Yes. You know, I'll be sitting, I'll meet someone sitting down and then I get up and it's like, I'm a different person. Like yeah. if they meet me sitting down, when I stand up, I am now a new person in their head. Right. Oh, you know, wow. it's like, Oh, but there's, I mean, I'm sure that there are jokes, but there's also a way that you probably get taken seriously as a woman that a, a lot of smaller women don't. We are so visual. Yeah. I right. Think- um, yeah, I, I do. But, you know, it's definitely hurt in casting and it's yeah. helped in casting, I guess. I'm yeah. Like, yeah. But, um, you know, I auditioned for graduate school and Bill Esper told me that I was very talented, which nice. he really says. Uh, 
but there was no way he could cast me in anything. Oh. oh. You're too tall. Which, you know, was a blessing in disguise. Of but, course, my mother fucking freaked out. Was did, gonna write. did she call him? No, but, I just went and I did, instead of graduate school, I just stand up every fucking night of my but life. But that's the beautiful thing about stand up is that acting is waiting for people to shove you through a U-shaped hole. Right. And there is not a, a, I know. I was talking about that hole. with Susie Essman. It's like, she goes, you know, Judy... We can always work. We will yeah. always work. I won't work on Comedy Central anymore. I'm too old, apparently. Right. They told me I'm not their demographic. Meanwhile, I have fucking 25-year-old guys. Oh, my God. You're so funny. Seriously. Like, it's unbelievable. They're going to change their minds. I mean, they're, the weird thing is watching Comedy Central, like, with the commercials on, you realize, like, it's a machine for selling video games. Like, it's behaving as though only 25-year-old guys watch it. But there is something so awesome about... Broad City and Amy oh, Schumer awesome. show teaching yeah. them that women can exist. Amy, I love. You know, yeah. she called me years ago. Um, she asked for my phone number because we had the same manager. And she's like, uh, he said, oh, she's a big fan of yours. And can you just talk to her? Yeah. And I did. Uh, and now she's a fucking billionaire movie star. And I'm in Queens uh, doing a podcast and I'm in an off-Broadway play. But that's but – like, but I, I love the shit she does. I love the shit. She's such a good feminist, you know, and it's awesome. I've never done five minutes on Comedy Central. And it's always funny because every year the like – the dudes who are at about my level are like, oh, you're submitting for a half hour, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like uh, – it's just this weird situation of it, – it would sort of never cross their minds why – Comedy Central was always like, eh, we don't know what to do with them. It's just ridiculous that, you know, these people who have never been on stage or done anything creative in their life tell America what entertainment, what's entertainment, right. what's drama, what's comedy. And that's the one thing, as we wrap it up, because I just got the wrap up sign, that the web is great for. Yes. When you do something and use that. And create something fantastic instead of, you know, here I am lip syncing something in my bedroom. My mother screams at me, you know, (laughs) and now I'm a fucking billionaire. It's just, you know, it's beyond. But um, I don't know. I just think for the record, Judy is not a billionaire. Being, I have one bathroom. Go if ahead. people could be, people YouTube- think I'm rich all the time. It's so funny. Well, they assume because you're so popular. Anyone who's been on TV is rich. Um, I would be really wealthy if I didn't have kids. Uh, honestly, <laughs> I would be fine. I, I do own a house. You know, you made human beings, and I would not give that up. I mean, they are you're the s- fucking greatest kids. You know, I will tell you a story that will make you. First of all, Henry. They're both straight, beyond straight. Like uh-huh. Barbara Streisand gets a gay son. I get the fucking straight. <laughs> they are beyond straight. Henry was on – I'm going to tell you two stories that are going to give you faith. Um, Henry, very athletic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Henry's an amazing catcher, baseball. And he played West Side Little League. And Very um, dreamy. He's really gorgeous. I'll show you a picture. He looks You'll- like a Disney prince. Yeah. Judy, and so- you don't want to show a photo of your 18-year-old I know, son to that's me. true. <laughs> So, um, you're right. Anyway. Especially not this one. Yeah, this one is. And uh, so he's catching. And he's a tough cookie. Like, he won't put up with any shit. And some kid called him a faggot or something Uh when he he, um, tagged him out. Yeah. What? I'm just how you, you just called a son with two moms a faggot. Right. It's just like right. how do you but even they, that's how that? they trash talk, you know? Yeah. Yeah, they of don't course, know. Of course. Yeah. And then so, they hit each other's but asses. But he's been called a faggot because he has two, yeah. you know. Of course. And he's very violent. 
Yeah. Um, but he got up, stopped the game, and said to the coach, he ran over to the coach, if you're, if that guy calls me a faggot again, like, I will fucking kick the shit out of him. Do not call me a faggot. I have two moms. They're right over there. And blah, blah. He t- all of a sudden, nice. the coach walks over to us, everyone and our team, and he says, you know what? I'm very, very sorry. I'm gay. And he came out wow. to the team and to us. Um, wow. And I will not put up with that. How lovely is that? That's how simple right. is that? How much does that solve that problem? And you how know? wonderful. Yep. All right. Then Ben, the 13-year-old, he's amazing basketball player. And um, he plays – he'll play at the schoolyards. And the, I, I used to bring him to – I bring him to the um, – what are they? The, the courts? No, I bring him to the – Playground? The special ha- – the – YMCA? Community center? No, shut up! I bring him to the uh, projects to play because yeah. I want them to learn how to play streetball. Yeah. And then they're like, I used to play with the kids were so like, why you let your mother play? Yeah. And uh, <laughs> they were great. I love those kids. Anyway, so he's playing at a school year or something. And this kid's like, you're fag, you're fag. And Ben, so he's, he's the one, he came out of me, Henry came out of my ex. Uh-huh. But they're both. Yeah. And so Ben's approach was, uh, after the game, he said, went up to the kid and he said, why do you hate gay people? And the kid's like, I don't hate gay people. He said, really? Because when you words, use words like that, it makes you sound like you hate gay people. Yeah. And I have two mothers. And if you keep using those words, you know, everyone is going to think you're whatever yeah. in his 13 year old thing. And it was, and just to see these kids stand up for themselves and their family. Yeah. You know, like Henry's in a frat. I go, does everyone know you have two moms? Yeah, no one can. You know, he doesn't give a shit. And these kids are from, he's at University of Indiana in Bloomington. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, oh, wow. and he never would they ever. Yeah. They're probably like hot. <laughs> no, but they, you know, I don't know. Maybe it helps that I'm a comedian, but it, they don't care. You it's know? lovely. The and, younger generation. And I lo- I saw a tear come out, and I love you even more for that. Go ahead. However, like, however creepy the internet and all of these things are, there is just the thing of, like, we live in a different world. People are nicer. Like, you know, in 1963, it probably seemed unthinkable that we could, you know, live in a country that was less segregated. I really can't talk about how we fixed race while <sighs> Baltimore is still on fire. <laughs> You know, we talked about that. All right, then we have to wrap up. But we did talk about the Baltimore thing and all this stuff going on. And, you know, why now? Why now? And I I think, well, you know, there's an element of, well, this has been happening and now we can record it. There's the element of that. But also, I think that these these African-American and low-income and Latin, they see that we have an African-American president. Who is treated like shit by white GOP senators and Congress people and governors, and they have no respect for him. And he's the fucking president. And it's like, we can, even with this guy, you know, here, we still get, he gets fucking treated. It's ridiculous. I, I just hope we get a, a taste of Hillary because. I think the Republican Party will be. T- I'd like to taste Hillary. <laughs> yeah, they will you. be. They will be tired of having like gone after him in the way that they did, and she just 
Obama showed up with like four years in the Senate. She's going to show up knowing every dead body in that town and ha- oh, having something on everybody. Is there anyone more qualified? It's it's crazy. And part of me, a little bit of me, is mad that America's first female president will be the appendage of a male president. Part of me right, right, is right. like, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, sh- she played her own fucking game. Like, she played her own fucking game back in, in the 50s and 60s. Um, and what about ladies like that? But they don't want to be president. Yeah. She's just so... Well, they weren't allowed. Well, no, they got, they got 85% right. of the way or whatever. Right. The, the thing is, is like, she's... So fucking earned it by this point Mm -hmm. in time. Like, it will be amazing. You know, like this Rubio and all these people. This woman was, first of all, a very successful lawyer. And she was a Republican. She was brought up Republican. Yeah. And, you know, law school, first, you know, first woman of Arkansas, whatever. First lady, senator, uh, secretary of state. I mean, like, what the fuck more do you want? Yeah. It's it's very it's very twice as hard to get half as far. Right. Um but it'll be I like that. It'll be fun to to see how she tears the shit up. Guy, I got to tell you something. I mean, I was excited to have you on. You have gone beyond what I Judy, thank you so much for no. this. I appreciate it a lot. Um, Do you want to ask him about his antidepressants? I'm going to f- Oh yeah, I have to ask you. Uh, this is a kill me now. Uh, are you on any antidepressants? I'm not currently on antidepressants. Um, f- law school to five years out, um, I was on Prozac. And mm-hmm. then 2005 to 2009, I was on Prozac and Wellbutrin together. Mm. Um, like, I got to a place mm. w- where I felt comfortable without it. I also just wasn't doing stand-up as much when I was on the meds. Okay. Oh, uh, yeah. So I, that puke. What? The Zoloft makes me puke. Yeah, the Zoloft <laughs> does, but... Uh, you weren't on Zolt. You were on Prozac. Yes. I've been on every one, and I've also had a major clinical nervous breakdown, depression. And uh-huh. um, I am now on the uh, Wellbutrin, uh, Wellbutrin-Paxil uh-huh. combination uh, and also Ritalin. Uh-huh. Um, cause, uh, and I mean, I'm on some – and Trazodone for sleep. And uh, I take a lot of vitamins and, you know, but – my fear, of course, is that I will have another nervous breakdown, which I do meditate, I do exercise, I do all the shit, but I'm afraid to not take them. Um, marching my way out of my big depression is like that thing I can always look back to, to like, I did that, and I can do that again, um, and it's yeah. nice to have been through it. Uh, mine was awful. I couldn't even speak. Oof. Yeah. Mine was a little bit of a... Didn't it? I heard a voice smaller, about someone I'm else. I'm still marching out, but it, I'm shaking it off. No, I, I, I was dealing with this with Lauren for a while. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, I really changed my thoughts about mental illness. But, you know, look, you know, we're creative people. We live in our heads and you want to suck ahead. <laughs> <laughs> and I hope you get to. I'd so. just like to go back for one moment because uh, um, we brought it up. Um, the same-sex couple study that was done yeah. last year says that generally they do better in school and there is not uh, – there's no signs of child abuse yet. Like they did You know why? Because they're wanted children. They yeah. weren't – it's not like, as I say in one they of my shows – They tend to be healthier, yeah. Yeah. No one – I didn't get drunk one night and dial up the sperm bank. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It definitely um, uh, cuts the argument that every child – Deserves a mom and dad. Right. Um, also, there's so many kids with that are brought up. What about the people in 9/11? You have to read an article I wrote in Huffington Post about okay. about when I brought 
Ben to get his tonsils out and they asked who the real mother was. Go. Um, also, Jill Duggar says she didn't fuck her husband before marriage. It's Michelle Duggar. That's the mother. Jill's the fucking kid. Well, yeah. Well, Jill's. Uh, I know. She, they just held hands or something. No, but I mean, they, her their audience is watching very closely, paying close attention. And apparently it is a thought that she did have sex beforehand because the pictures just don't add up the baby bump and the marriage. Oh God. Who uh, you want to know what people fuck and nobody fucks more than towns where it's absence only education. Right. My hometown runs on unwanted pregnancies. If they don't have kids getting unwanted pregnancies, then they don't need to get a job at 19 right. and work in the shitty, like, right. you know, the whole town Walmart dies. fields. Right. Because we're, we're burning a perfectly good comedian and VH1 host here. I don't I understand know. Why Christian's waiting to Christian go. Finnegan is here. We're wasting his I time. I know. <laughs> yeah, Christian's enjoying. He's on our next episode. Our celebrity audience. Which we do once a week. We never do more than one episode in one day. It's so funny that you stop by. Yeah, yeah. It's nice um, of you to stop by. Guy, you're delightful. Will you, can we do this again? I would love to, Judy Gold. Yeah. This is, it's lovely meeting you, Lauren, but you're a fucking Same. hero from way back when. Oh, and it's lovely thank to get to know you. you. Um, you can, uh, go on, uh, at Guy Branham, G-U-Y-B-R-A-N-U-M and GuyBranham.com. Get this goddamn, uh, DVD, CD, whatever the fuck you call it. Album. Album. Effable. Guy Branham, uh, on iTunes. And Guy, you're going to come back. Yes, please. And, um, oh, I should say that I'm at, uh, at Judy Gold. Do you follow me on Twitter? Of course. At uh, Judy Gold, J-E-W. J-E-W-T-Y. I follow Lisa on Twitter. You do? Yes. Oh my God, she's going to be so happy. <laughs> uh, at uh, Judy Gold. And my Facebook is Judy Gold. Oh, Kill Me Now. Can you like my podcast page? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, uh, like Kill Me Now. Uh, kill Me Now cast. Facebook.com slash Kill Me Now cast. Judy Gold.com. And uh, at Judy's at Judy assistant. Gold. We don't care about it, Judy's assistant. Okay. Uh, Guy, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. You are the best. Go be gay. And uh, everything was wonderful. I'll see you soon. Thank you for the visit. Hello.